Welcome back to Thy Kingdom Pod, a podcast about living in the unfinished mission of Jesus. We're so glad you're listening. If you didn't already know how adaptable a person you were before 2020, odds are this year has been a revealing experience. Today we're going to talk about what it looks like to be adaptable in this season, but also in a broader sense of life, ranging from what your five-year plan is to what's for dinner. And more importantly, we're going to talk about how we surrender our desire for control before God. To help us explore this topic, here are Jonathan, Sarah, Jim, and Sonia. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Thy Kingdom Pod. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're doing well. Joining me, as always, Jim, Sonia, and Sarah. How are you three doing today? Doing great. Ichi. Live and in Technicolor. I love it. We're alive, <laughs> y'all. Our topic today is adaptability, specifically spirit-led adaptability, which makes it sound both more intense and smarter. Adaptability <laughs> does feel a little bit countercultural right now. <clears throat> but I'll start by asking a really topical question in that everyone has had to adapt to COVID-19. So my question to get us started today is really, it's twofold. It's two part. Part one, how have you adapted well or poorly to COVID-19? Why don't you start? Cause you got all serious <clears throat> on us out. So it kind of caught us off guard. Got serious <laughs> on you. How? Adapting to COVID-19, that's serious stuff. So how have you adapted? I've adapted poorly in that I have not done a good job of um, maintaining my exercise routine and I've done a bad job of just snacking around the clock because in my office, there's no snacks. <laughs> uh, at least I prefer there not to be. Sometimes people will bring in stuff to the office and it's hard to resist it, but the kitchen is about 10 feet away. And so I just <laughs> snack and snack and snack and it's not okay. And so I've not adapted well in that sense. I would say some of the ways I've adapted well is by exercising. I need after a good day of work is to go for a long walk. It's perfect. Instead of a commute, I take a walk. It's lovely. I've also adapted well by uh, changing my wardrobe into more comfortable clothing, which I would say <laughs> is adapting well to COVID-19. <laughs> well, here's the problem, Sarah. How do you want to go for a walk? <laughs> Um, because my house is very full. <laughs> well, I love all the people in my house. If I'm going to have a quiet moment all by myself, it cannot be in my house. Long walks. Oh Long That's, walks. Yeah. And it's yeah. a hilly neighborhood, so it's good exercise. Yeah. yeah. But when, when, when my son gets a little ornery, taking him for a walk usually helps. So I hear you. Well, maybe, Sarah, you can be my incentive to change my bad behavior and not moving my body. So maybe if you call me and just let me hear all of the activity in your house, then I'll feel like I want to get away. <laughs> Gladly. <laughs> <laughs> if we're lucky, we'll hear it in the background on this podcast. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I'll tell you on the next episode if I actually went for a walk when we got finished with this one. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I've adapted to the, uh, the the working from home was just it was way smoother than I thought. So it adapted pretty quickly to where it now feels normal. Uh, in fact, today I actually went to the office for a few minutes and and that is feeling a little bit strange now. 
to go into the office. Mm. So I think it's that's been a smooth yeah. adapting. What I've not done as good is is replace the spontaneous meetups because we are our social distancing. We're not in an office together. We're not going to our our normal church services and our small groups. Is that unless it's a scheduled meeting, I tend not to connect with people. So I've not done mm. as good a job of of kind of the spontaneous connecting. So what you're saying is you've grown weirder and weirder, which is saying something. Absolutely. <laughs> so one truth, <laughs> one verifiable truth is people get weird when they spend too much time alone. Mm. This is true. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the transition to working from home has been really good. I I think I had a little bit of a head start because I do work in a uh, as a, in the creative department with a bunch of files and file systems, and I try to get them all you know, this was way before COVID. I tried to get them all online to like a SkyDrive so I could work um, on the same files from everywhere. So I was kind of ready when everything kind of happened. But, and so that respect, that transition happened. Um, but it is hard to edit with a one-year-old who wants to crawl and climb on you and turn off the computer and pull the plug. And Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> the other day I saw him chewing on a coaxial cable. Which is like, no. if you remember what those are, <laughs> you plug them into the back of the TV. Yeah. He just found one in one of the drawers and pulled it out and was chewing on it. And I look over and it was the metal end in his mouth. I was like, okay, that's probably not not great. It's a good teething ring. Yeah. That's what he thought it was. Second part of the question. Have you oh, noticed that's any name. No, have you noticed any businesses or organizations who you say adapted well or poorly and you don't got a name drop if they, you know if you don't want to badmouth anybody but have you noticed any of them adapt well or poorly and and how and why did they adapt well or poorly been actually watching the uh the restaurant industry and and a couple notable things i've seen one is a local restaurant here and in, in the lilburn area almost immediately began to sell some of the supplies that people couldn't get they were selling toilet paper paper towels and oh, hand sanitizer cool. Um, just to kind of help keep themselves afloat during the harder times. That's really uh, cool. The other one that has just blown me away is 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 Chick Fil A. You go to their drive-through and it's like, oh my gosh, they have completely retooled their drive-through to handle the volume. So I used to be, if I saw four or five cars at drive-through, I'd say, eh, I'm not that hungry. You go to Chick Fil A, it could be wound around that thing two times, and yeah. you're still out in ten or fifteen minutes. Um, and just incredible how they adapted their entire process to to embrace the new reality yeah i totally agree chick-fil-a is a great example i think i saw uh jason's deli selling uh just produce um from their menu so you could come in and just like oh i'll take four tomatoes four onions you know in case you yeah Mm -hmm. in case you didn't you know didn't feel comfortable going to a grocery store around everybody you could buy produce from them and bread that kind of thing like you didn't want to buy produce that's been laying out for the whole world to touch and sneeze on and things like that? Uh, that's why you're <laughs> supposed to wash it. Oh, is that it? Yeah. I didn't realize you're, that's why you washed it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> well, I would, I would agree with, with uh, all of you. I've definitely the restaurant industry. Um, I've seen them step it up in unbelievable ways. Um, I even went to a restaurant and they asked me if I wanted them to bring me a drink menu to the car. <laughs> like literally they made drinks at their bar to bring 
things to the car. I was like, no, no, no thanks. But just really adapting to people's needs. But for a moment of sounding a bit egocentric, if you'll allow me to do that, I'm really proud of us, of TMS Global, of how we've adapted in this age because, yeah, everything that we had, for instance, my travel, I would travel um, every month flying somewhere, but we've literally taken everything virtually. So I think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really impressive when uh, an organization that's so used to doing things one way, it's totally comfortable pivoting and doing things a different way because I think it tells me that what they're about is more important than, than how they do it or, or anything mm-hmm. like that. I've been really impressed with Jim's church. I kind of stalk his church sometimes. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> they did, yeah. They did like uh, this summer a services out on the lawn and they called it sing along, which is just cute. And also I was, but that's what you miss, right? Like you can get a sermon online, that kind of thing, the teaching, but like that singing with a whole lot of other people, but mm-hmm. you could do it outside. Everybody was spaced out. Like you mm-hmm. could sit inside your car. Spaced and- out geographically, physically you mean, they're not just spaced out. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I couldn't yes. help it. Socially distanced. That's why they make technical terms for things like this. Um, yeah. And even when the schools around here went to all digital learning and a lot of parents are freaking out because they have to work single parent families. What are they going to do? Well, Grace Church has this big old open building that's not being used. And so they set up like an, an ability for parents to bring their kids in and do their dis- distance learning at the school. Also socially distanced, not spaced out. Um and doing it really well. I just felt like they have pivoted really well. I think, and I think the reason that's really awesome is because it's a big marker. Uh, I believe it's a big mark marker of the kingdom of God is that ability to adapt to what's happening with the people that you're supposed to be caring for. Mm -hmm. Um, We're we're told to care for. Um, I want to start us. I want to start this conversation about what it means to be adaptable with a story that um, our guru, Ruth, um, shared with us as we were preparing for this. Um, it's by it's from a book called Ruthless Trust by Brennan Manning. It came out about 20 years ago. Um, it's really short. When the brilliant ethicist John Cavanaugh went to work for three months at the House of the Dying in Calcutta, He was seeking a clear answer as to how to best spend the rest of his life. On the first morning there, sorry, on the first morning there, he met Mother Teresa. She asked, and what can I do for you? Kavanaugh asked her to pray for him. What do you want me to pray for? She asked. He voiced the request that he had been born thousands of miles from the United States. Pray that I have clarity. She said firmly, no, I will not do that. When he asked her why, she said, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go of. When Kavanaugh commented that she always seemed to have the clarity he longed for, she laughed and said, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I'll pray that you trust God. Um, how does that story hit you guys? I'm sure you've probably heard it before or have you? I actually had never heard that story. Oh, really? How would you, would you ever tell somebody that came up and asked for prayer that 
and just flat out say, actually, no, I'm not going to pray for that. <laughs> I feel like that's something only Mother Teresa can do. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> like, please pray for my, 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 my sin. And I was like, actually, no, I'm going to actually pray for something else. Let me go deeper. <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. I guess what I'd say to that is that often we talk about clarity. What we really mean is predictability and control. And I think she sensed that in him. So I don't, I personally don't think that clarity is a bad thing, but clarity in a, in a sense of vision and a sense of purpose. But often we say clarity, what we're looking for is the roadmap itself. Ah, that's a good distinction. And that's where mm-hmm. the trust comes in. I think often we say, I want clarity, but what we're really saying is God, I want you to tell me how the next five years is going to go and how do I get there and promise me it's all going to be good in five years. Mm. And I would argue that's not really what clarity is. That's that's control and that's predictability, which is a di- different thing. Mm-hmm. And that's often what we're seeking when we say that. Clarity means a clear path to success. Like, right. I want to know that I've done the right thing and that it's going to succeed. It's so interesting because I also think that that clear path to success and looking for clarity, I think we'll also say I want to I'm looking for comfort because mm-hmm. the fear of the unknown is scary. Um, and so maybe I'm looking for clarity because I want to be comfortable. I don't want to be in that place where I'm not real sure of what's going to happen. Mm. Well, yeah. I think I think our culture, our American culture, I mean, how would you rate on a scale of one to ten their comfort level with adaptability where one is terrible and ten is great? I just think, I mean, that's almost a rhetorical question. I feel like we know what it is. If, and it's, I think I think America is maybe adaptable in some areas, but they want prediction. They want predictability. And that's what gets us in trouble. And that's why when something like COVID happens that we can't mm-hmm. control, it creates an incredible level of angst because it's that uncertainty that we don't want. We want to know when is the vaccine going to be here? When can I get on my airplane? When mm-hmm. can I go to school? And I think some of the confusion that's happened around this is because the experts can't give us that certainty. And every expert I heard early on would say, best we can tell this, but they would always get quoted as as if there was certainty there because the ambiguity really messes with us. And then we're mm-hmm. mad at them when it turns out a month later, they may not have been right, but they they said that at the beginning. But we expect right. they, this. They, yeah, they couched what they said. So we get we respond off of that in anger and angst uh, because um, that is a, a high value for us is that sense of control and, and certainty. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love f- data. Oh gosh. Love data. I know that's right. There's yeah. no data for this. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's astonishing what has been accomplished, but, but it's not good enough for us. And so mm-hmm. we can often react. One thing I, I teach in our classes is about North American values that are the dominant, kind of the dominant cultural themes of our country. It's going to vary by subculture, but they're the dominant themes you'd see in our advertising and our movies largely. And a lot of them have to do with exactly this, this, this mm-hmm. sense of control over the environment, um, self-help, um, individualization. We talked about that some last last episode of of you know i'm i'm in control of my own destiny you can be whatever you want to be all of those things suggest a level of control that can can reduce adaptability if we if we're too set in stone on it and we it really messes with us we don't get that which is one reason i think our country in some ways has not done as well with the virus as many countries socially right and so just so because i you know i'm not as uh 
for my little lizard, my little lizard brain, you probably said this, but what I want to, I want to be explicit about it. What is the relationship between adaptability and control? I think it's directly related to, we talked about this a couple of episodes ago um, about stashing ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. Adaptability for me is the willingness to bend, to change, to adjust to what's going on around. And control says that I need to be the one to fix or to set what's going on. And I don't give room for it to happen and for me to adjust to it. But mm, I need cute. to do the adjusting yeah. and stashing yourself says, I'm just going to hold steady where I am and let that which is happening in front of me proceed. Well, I think sometimes we say we have to let go of all control and that it just isn't true. There's adaptability is knowing what you can control. And there are some things that are just out of your control. And adaptability Mm -hmm. means I will control what I can control, which means I can react to the environment. I can control my own responses, but I can't control what's happening around me. I can't control the circumstances around me. And I don't have to, I don't feel this need to change what is outside of me, but I will rather use my agency to change what's in me in response to what's around me. Mm. Exactly. You know, with everything that's happening in uh, in our country right now, with all the unrest, do you see it? And maybe y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but I see it as uh, as far as protests or riots or angst or anger or anything like that. It's just a desire to want something to change that people just don't have control over. Is that fair to say or is part maybe part of it is that? I think it's, it's that desire to have control or that desire that somebody has control. Uh, and then if things aren't going well, then somebody must have control who's not doing it right. Okay. Um, I remember sometimes when hurricanes have come and they're blaming everybody and their mother. I'm wanting to say it's a Category 5 hurricane, just take landfall. Things are going to fall down um, no matter who the governor is. And yet there's that, um, that idea that somebody should be in control, even if I'm not. There's, mm-hmm. there's a picture I use when I teach this stuff, and I – not sure where this will fit in the discussion, but it's a it's a picture of this large um, redwood tree in California. Mm-hmm. The tree has since fallen down, which is sad, but there's a tunnel going through the redwood tree that cars can actually drive under the tree. And when I was showing doing some slideshow one time when I was in Denmark as a young person talking to kids about the United States, I had this picture and I'm, you know, this is this big redwood tree, this car driving through it. And this little Danish girl asked, but why didn't they drive around it? And I think that to me is just almost a picture of, of often how we in North America, especially view life is if there's a tree in the way, by gum, I'm going to drive right under that sucker. It never crossed our mind that we could adapt and drive around it and adapt to the, the reality of the tree. Um, and so I think we see that sometimes the way we respond to things. We want to f- forge ahead with our agenda rather than seeing the lay of the land and letting our agenda be shaped by the context. I think that's an interesting example that you give, uh, Jim, and thinking about it in terms of the question that Jonathan just asked about specifically the riots and why people respond the way they do. And I think that there's a mixed group of people that, for the, that are there for the reason 
it's that they respond. And, and that was kind of muffled and jumbled. But let me give you an example. I think for some that, that may be a part of rioting and protesting, they can see that it's a tree and um, they respond to it in a particular way, whether they drive through it or try to get around it. But I think for the ones, there are a great number of people who are there. They don't even know it's a tree. Things have been the way that it's been for so long. They think the tree is a mountain. And they can't imagine getting around it or even getting through it. And they just need an outlet to just release some of the angst that they're actually feeling. So just being able to identify the possibilities. Um, And I think that's what we see in other issues of adaptability. Maybe people sometimes don't respond because they don't have the wherewithal Mm -hmm. to be able to identify what the real challenge is. So then they can't imagine how they can respond to it, if that makes sense. I, I love that, Sonia. I think that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Ah. It's because these are mountains. These are things we can't see. We don't have God's perspective. And, and by leaning into the Holy Spirit, when we are in hard situations, and that's where Mother Teresa's faith, I think, comes in, yeah. is leaning heavily in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit begins to help us see what is, what is the pivot? What is, the, what is our response? How mm. do we adapt mm-hmm. to the reality in front of us? But often that adapting is seeing the reality from a different lens. You know, that's exactly why um, adaptability, specifically spirit-led adaptability, is a big value for our organization, TMS Global, because it's it's just allowing the Holy Spirit to shape what we do in every context, period. Um, I wanted to kind of finish up on control because um, – I, I, tell me how – tell me what you guys think about this. I have – I don't know if I have an answer. I'm not going to lie. This is a tough one. What does our love of control say about our concept of God? Do you think it says anything? If so, what? That's a loaded question, Jonathan. (laughs) Uh, I I don't remember which uh, theologian or writer. um, I want to say it's. I can't remember. Maybe one of y'all can tell me. He said the most important thing about you is what you think about God or something Mm -hmm. like that. Can y'all remind me who said that? I don't, I'm not really good about remembering sources like that. I think Sonia said that. (laughs) I would believe it. it Look, I'm looking at Sarah's face. I'm so sure it was her. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take credit for it. It's Tozer. It's Tozer. That sounds like a Tozer statement. Yeah. Yeah, My favorites. Do you think that we're made in the image of God? And so sometimes, and this is going to sound a little bit maybe sacrilegious, and if so, you can edit it out, but that our, <laughs> our, we're made in the image of God with some agency to do something. And so I think to some degree, mm. that idea of control and the desire to make, to, to do something is a piece of the image of God in us. However, it definitely if it's not led by the spirit of God and not done in the, in his character and in his way, if we feel like it's all up to us, then we believe that God has taken his hand off this world. If we have the need to control Mm -hmm. it ourselves Mm -hmm. alone without God's intervention, then we're saying that we believe that he has taken his hand off the world. and It's up to us to make something happen. Uh, Yeah. That's kind of where my mind was going, that he's not interested or not powerful. 
Right, yeah. becomes a god of the margins, the god we can't explain. And, and even that, like I said, I think that because we've gone to that, when we can't explain, we just get mad mm. Um, mm -hmm. rather than, than really leaning on God for that. Yeah, uh, I think we get, get we get mad or we get numb and we go to mm. just ignore it so that, you know, I don't even consider. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one one uniqueness that I have found in working in other cultures is many other cultures have much more. I, I don't want to say fatalistic because that sounds negative. I don't mean to be negative, but much more sense of life happens. Things happen to me. Um, a hurricane hit. Hurricanes happen. There's a mudslide. And I'm going to grieve. I'm sad, but it happens. I don't look for who did something wrong or why did this happen? It just mm -hmm. happens. And I think that that fatalistic view is something we can't, we have a hard time often as North Americans understanding that. Mm -hmm. And I think in some ways it served us well. That can mm -hmm. create such a passive attitude toward life that we don't try to make change when we could make change. Right. But oh. it also can make us have the false illusion that we can, by our own strength, build a utopia. Mm. Okay. Okay. Sonia, I know you also spent a significant amount of time in another culture. Would you agree with what Jim's talking about? How did yeah. adaptability look like in Kenya? Oh my goodness. I was blown away with adaptability um, in living among the Kenyans. Um, there's one particular village that comes to mind um, in talking about adaptability. I don't know if this is so much so spirit led, but maybe it is. Um, and their village was in a, a wildlife corridor. And what that means is that, you know, elephants are extremely smart and they have the same paths that they travel with their herds, Wh whatever they're doing, they have the same paths, believe it or not, that they travel. And this village was directly in the middle of one of the pathways of the elephants. And so, their adaptability was unbelievable because I remember walking um, for miles to a watering hole um, and being on the lookout for wildlife. And, and the mamas are teaching me where to step and when to wait. And why are we waiting here? Because it's about that time. And then we get there and we can't get to the water because this is big, humongous clump. And it's the waste from the elephant because we just missed them. And to watch them just kind of move it out of the way and sort through what they thought was the best water to take back to the village. Um, and they just did life. And this was not some, this was not a one-time event. It didn't just happen because I was there, <laughs> but this is mm -hmm. daily. And they mm -hmm. learned how to live with that type of danger around them, even telling me when to wait and at what rock to wait at because it's about the time for the elephants to pass by. Um, mm. So that's just that one so example cool. that comes to mind yeah. about adaptability. Yeah. You know, just today I was having a conversation with over lunch with one of the pastors at my church and he, he brought up, he brought something up that I never thought about and it's weird and maybe not weird. I guess it's the Holy spirit. I don't know, but you and Jim just kind of spoke to it, but it, it's interesting how different cultures, uh, you know, not America hand are a little bit more adaptable than Americans. Mm -hmm. And I think, do you think it has to do with, um, 
just how how do I say this without sounding <laughs> just how much stuff we have how uh, I don't want to say it's I mean I guess you could see it as a blessing depending on who you are uh, that's the only word that's coming to mind, how rich we are. <laughs> you know, even our poorest of the poor here would be rich in other countries by several metrics. But that's led to this very rigid, um, uh, I want to say like a sense of entitlement. Whereas in other cultures, because you mentioned, Jim, because of some of the fatalistic stuff that exists, they're much more adaptable and much more go with the flow. I, I would agree. I think they're that our materialism. These are connected. I would not say they're they're the same. They are caused by the exact same things, but there's a connection mm-hmm. between them, and okay. we can, yeah. and we can sometimes um, cover our lack of control by buying stuff. So I can't control my destiny, but I'll buy myself a really cool car that makes me feel like I'm in control of my destiny because I've got a cool car. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's where we can kind of cover it, maybe. How much of our stuff is really designed for us to control our environment, though? Like, a good chunk I don't have of it to is to adapt to cold temperatures or hot temperatures. I keep mm-hmm. my house within a certain degrees all the time, year round. Like, how crazy is that? We're actually warm blooded animals. Like, it's not completely necessary, mm-hmm. uh, but we have designed our whole lives to be in control of everything. Yeah, I'm gonna. You know, you need to thank God for the thermostat because you don't want to be around me in, I know, in the I really, summer. Yeah, I'm <laughs> thankful for these things. Talk about adaptability. Just when you there's something that happens when you know that you do not well should happen. You know that you don't have access to something, and it's not a necessity for life. Um, then we begin to adjust those changes. When I was in Kenya, and we didn't have air conditioning. Um, Mm -hmm. It's amazing how after a few years, you just adjusted. So when I came back to the States and I cut the air, I went in a place that had air conditioning. I was freezing because I just adapted. We didn't have ice. So to come back to the States and have someone put ice in my drink, um, I couldn't take it. And so there, there is this level of adaptability that I think is innate within us as, as human beings. And we don't realize it. We would go to restaurants. They didn't have silverware. Imagine, I never knew my fingers could serve as a fork (laughs) until I was there. And I didn't need those things. We literally have been given what we need um, if we would recognize it. But we have to have that kingdom perspective to be able to recognize um, how to use the resources and the tools that God has already given us. I, I think that's a really good point is that we humans are resilient, um, you can you can deal with a lot, and we've we have if we're not careful, we can manage to shelter ourselves from that. So when something like COVID comes that we can't control, it yeah. really throws us for a loop. But when you look around, if you get past all the complaining and the accusations, and just look what people have done, we've seen a significant level of resilience. And I think of That's what so the true. teachers have done in in pivoting, and it's it's hard work, and God bless them. But people have done amazing things. To adjust to this, and if we can look at that and celebrate and recognize, as as Sonia said, we have the ability to do adapt, then maybe when it's not just a crisis time, but at all times, we can take that same ability to adapt and apply it in our human relationships, in dealing with with, uh, social issues that need to be addressed. We can have some more intentionality around that adapting um, by letting ourselves learn and look at what we've done in the midst of this thing that's been thrust on us. This is connected to the Holy Spirit so deeply because mm-hmm. the reason mm-hmm. 
I think this is exactly the reason why the Holy Spirit is a scary part of the Trinity in the American church, <laughs> because that's when you give over control. That's what my friends call it. The father, son, what one of my friends said, the father, son, and the Holy spook. <laughs> oh, oh goodness. Gosh. That's terrible. That's Kentucky talk. <laughs> oh Lord. Is that, is that why, I mean, is that why being an adaptable person is so essential um, to, or central to life in the kingdom? Because it is a way to remain, uh, what's the word? Remain ang- off the ang- throne. <laughs> remain off the throne. I was going to say, I'm trying to think of a way to remain reliant on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you, you, it's a it's a daily big in tune. That's what we mm. teach our workers when they serve cross culturally overseas. But it's yeah. so true right here. The the exact same principles is you go into a culture. You're not in control and you need to have the Holy Spirit's eyes and the Holy Spirit filter to see what God's doing in that culture, how the culture operates, what are people's needs, what are the questions they're asking. And all that takes a level of adaptability that, as we said, we have it in us, but Mm -hmm. our default setting so often is to go in with an agenda with Mm -hmm. a sense of I already know what I need Mm -hmm. to know. And and it's that humility it comes back to, like we talked about last round. yeah. But yeah, leaning heavily on the Holy Spirit every day, not just once a week. What would it look like for someone who lives here in America, whether they live in a suburb or an urban area, what would it look like for them to practice spirit-led adaptability well? Like, how do you know? What are some indicators of it? Um, like, maybe people listening to this are thinking, oh, gosh, I may not be doing this really well. I wish I could do it better that kind of thing. One example that comes to mind immediately that's so simple. um, Talk about spirit-led adaptability. I think oftentimes about um, some individuals that we may see pedaling on the corners or we get, we get off the expressway off of 285 and there's someone standing there, whether it's a, a veteran or someone and they have a sign. And if you stop and look at the cars, the people in the cars, everyone is looking in the opposite direction of where that person is standing. Um, And I think it's natural to do that. I think spirit-led adaptability um, listens to see if you're being led to look at this person. What does this person need that is standing here? Do they need a word? Do they need eye contact? Do they need um, some monetary gift? Um, Just what is it that they need? Um, And that's a really simplified example but I think that is spirit-led because we see it so often. It takes the spirit to be able to redirect us, to grab our thought process, and to show us how we need to respond to what's in front of us. Even if, though it's something that we see often, it's the spirit of God that tells us this is not the same thing that you've been saying or it's not what you think it is. Yeah, there's not a one-size-fit-all answer. There's not a formula, which I think is what we really, really want. There's a formulaic answer that says, mm. well, I won't give money. I will buy them a meal. You know, As if that one answer is true for everyone that you run into, um, or even if you would you know, just pray for each. But there is no one answer for any one situation that you fall yourself into. Yeah. And that's what fascinates me. You go to, to self-help stores and sadly in a lot of Christian um, sections of bookstores and, and there's so many numbered lists 
Mm. of the 10 ways to be a good husband or the 10 ways to be a good wife or the, the five things you need to know to do this. And I'm not knocking all this. There's lists of great fun. Um, but having said that, it's, it's what Sarah said, that, that seeking of a formula that really stands in the way of adaptability. Mm-hmm. Adaptability says, I'm going to go in with some ideas, with open hand, with some learning, with heavy reliance on the Holy Spirit, and then see the shape things take and, and adapt to that. Um, very intentional, very thoughtful. This isn't path. This is not passivity, but it's, it's a different posture, a different mindset when we go into situations. Yeah. It, it seems like the formula is safe though. Right. It's much, like, so it's good. It gives you control. Yeah. It's, it's, well, yeah, it's control because it, it's like, I think of certain, um, <laughs> I don't know how to say this. It's just certain friends of mine, um, that I used to have and growing up and, you know, middle school, high school comes after middle school and after high school comes college and after college comes the job and there's this formula and, yeah. And if, mm. and every, and you're going to do everything to remain on that track. And at no point I've seen, I've, I've seen people, I've, I've had people in my life where at no point well, that I knew of, was there ever any question about whether that formulaic life was, was going to be challenged in any way? Like, are you going to take a year off after college or to figure things out? Or are you going to go, study abroad or or stuff, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. It's, it's just this constant, it's almost this obsession with knowing, like you said, uh, the, the step-by-step guide, because that's safe. And if I stay on the guide, I know I'll get these needs met. But if I deviate from the guide, then I'm going to need to kind of figure out what the Holy spirit is doing and kind of go with the flow. And there goes my ability to predict the outcome. When our daughter was, uh, we were fresh back from Kazakhstan. Um, so I was still having some cultural issues as it is. And uh, <laughs> she was at a, a college, a Christian college. And she had someone in her class say, basically, if you don't, and this is to college, she was probably a sophomore junior at the time. If you don't have a five-year plan, you'll end up being a loser and living in your parents' basement. <laughs> now, I had so many issues with that. I don't know where to start. But first, you're telling these college kids in your early 20s, you need to have a plan and you need to be networked with people who can help you move ahead. So the whole assumption was that you that there's that kind of certainty happens. The fact is, that's rare that even if you had the plan, it's going to be in fruition. Um, living in your parents' basement bothered me because the fact is, in most of the world, that is expected um, until not your parents base, but you don't, you know, the idea of leaving your family at 18 years old or 22 years old is a very uniquely American thing. It's not on our topic. So I just had to say it because I couldn't help myself. Um, but there was so much wrong with that statement. It just, it just, um, but, but the adaptability the dependence on the Lord, all that stuff was just missing. Uh, and I look back at my own life and I think there's no way on earth I could have at 20 years old said, Someday, I think I want to work for a missionary to see and, and get to travel around the world talking to people about what God's doing in their countries. Um, no way. <laughs> well, outside of the spirit-led part, then, adapt- and if you're just adaptable and you don't have any plans, then you kind of become this, like, wayfarer that's, like, you don't, you a lost nomad. You know, you don't really know where you're going. There's no right. anchor for your soul. Um, I think minus the spirit-led part 
it could be problematic. Oh, for <laughs> That's sure. That's why it's like yeah. key to the kingdom also is this idea that the Holy Spirit, God created all people. He created all cultures. He created us. He created me and my kids. And we're all even different within this DNA that's passed along. We're different. And but God knows it because he made us, he made mm. each of us. And so when we talk about like being adaptable to other cultures, it's spirit led because God made that culture and he knows how you should be formed and shaped to fit into that. And when we're talking about being spirit led, even with our neighbors, well, he made my neighbor. What I can see is not all that there is to my neighbor in my neighborhood. And so if I'm truly led by the spirit, I can touch needs that are deeper in my neighbor than they would be willing to reveal to me without even knowing it hmm. because the spirit can lead me in ways that I am completely unable to do. You know, you're so right, Sarah. I'm, I was just thinking that adaptability without the spirit of God is like traveling without a GPS because he's the one that has the entire plan um, and we get uncomfortable when we don't know what's going to happen next. I'm reminded of a, there's a really awesome quote in a book called um, Hind's Feet on High Places. I'm sure many people have heard of it. Um, one of my favorites um, by Hannah Hernard, who was a missionary herself. And this is a quote. She's, this is the shepherd, the good shepherd. This is Jesus talking to much afraid, the one who is just broken and really want to do better, but I just can't see it. And this is what the shepherd says. I must tell you, a great truth much afraid, which only a few understand. All the fairest beauties in the human heart, its greatest victories and its most splendid achievements are always those which no one else knows anything about or can only dimly guess. And he's speaking to much afraid because basically he's saying, I'm the only one that knows and so trusting in me is what's going to get you um, to the places where you where your heart wants to be, because sometimes our minds tells us or the culture tells us of a place that we want to be. But it's not the truest depths of where we need to be that will soothe our hearts. And it's only the spirit of God that knows that. Mm -hmm. I like that GPS analogy because it, you can go even further with that. It's, it's not GPS in the sense like Google Maps. I put it in, I've got my point, point A to point B, it's mapped out. Now I know it for sure, but it's along the way. There's an accident. There's a blockage. There's a, 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 a new road mm. and, and, and a it adjusts. Route, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm tuned yeah. into the GPS, it adjusts. If I simply took a look at it before I left on my trip and drove yeah. without checking it again, it doesn't adjust. And I That's think good. that, that the, the Lord makes us adaptable. And he himself, one thing I was thinking of this is that he himself is adaptable. Now, that sounds like it could get close to blasphemy because God is unchanging. But you look about the whole history of the Bible mm. is is people screwed up. <laughs> and yet God God adapts the way his grace came out, the way he revealed himself to people. It adjusted to the reality mm -hmm. that people were in. Mm -hmm. And that gives me great hope. No kidding. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that God God has a plan for me. But that doesn't mean if I if I kind of forget Friday was the day I'm supposed to talk to so-and-so. God just says, well, crumb, Jim screwed up my plan. I guess it's over now. Um, <laughs> but but he's he, he adapts and adjusts. And and that gives me great hope that if I stay in touch with the Holy Spirit, 
if I if I walk in faith, as Mother Teresa said, um, I can't get out of God's plan. This is yeah. not some weird predestination kind of thing. It's it's just the reality of a of a life with God. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what? How is it that we? become adaptable with to a culture or within a culture without compromising our convictions, compromising biblical teachings. Because I, I think we're in a time right now where I see a lot of uh, little C church folk kind of, I'm seeing the church change more into what the culture looks like as opposed to the opposite. I'll put it that way. I think the, the fact that I'm asking it after we've had this conversation on the Holy spirit probably is the answer, right? Yeah, I think you're right. That is the answer, but that's the, that doesn't True. get the how to. <laughs> that's not the how to, right? That's not the how to. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of the chat, I mean, this is hard. This is really hard work because we can't get outside ourselves totally. But part of the discipline culturally is is trying to parse out what is my culture telling me and what is the scripture telling me. And and that's just really hard. But we have to begin to do that hard work. And that's why we need each other, because sometimes someone who's yeah. not in my culture can help me see that better than I can see myself. I think it comes down to changing your idea about faith from something I do to someone I am, meaning mm-hmm. like I'm trying to be like God. And that means having his character living out in me, having the fruits of the spirit. How do I respond to the situation in love? What might be true in one situation as loving is not true in another situation as being truly loving. Um, so working towards character as opposed to specific tangible action items. If we can get away from an understanding of Christianity as a to-do list or steps that we take actions we do and more what Jesus asked us to do is to be conformed into his image, to be like God. And that does not mean control, unfortunately, Uh, but it does mean his character. And so we can, make that mindset shift. I think that we can live anywhere and understand our faith in any situation. Yeah. I've always found it super valuable to, I mean, honestly, I could, I would not be where I am right now if it hadn't have been for other believers in my life who helped me test some of the things that were popping in my head. Like, Hey, I just had this thought. Uh, I'm going to say it out loud to you. Let's talk about it. And they would show me like, okay, well this, this, this much, I'm tracking with you, but right around here, you're starting to believe a little half truth and a lie. And, and so I totally agree that part of it is saying those things out loud to someone else you trust mm-hmm. to kind of test and weigh and see how things are going. And that requires humility because, you know, you want to tendency, at least for me is to like, oh, I'm doing it right. I'm doing it fine. I'm praying, you know, yeah, we need each other and recognize the Holy Spirit. We say relying on the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean you get in a room and you hear whispers in your ear. That could happen. But it's also reading the Word of God. It's also being in community with each other. It's also mm-hmm. seeking believers from a diverse community so that you get those other perspectives um, from the same faith. So it's, there's the Holy Spirit speaks in multiple ways, not just, uh, right. not just in the quietness of my room. Yeah, that's good, Jim. So we've talked a lot about 
um, being spirit led and the Holy Spirit. Um, if you guys were teaching on what it looks like um, to, to, if you guys were teaching on what it looks like when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you or leading you, what are like some basic pointers for, for folks who have struggled with that? Cause I know in the past I've kind of questioned whether is this thought really from the spirit or is this just me kind of making it up? Like what are some pointers you would give them? When I do this, I teach the scientific method. <laughs> you have a hypothesis <laughs> test it and see what the fruit is like. I love that actually. <laughs> and I, I always teach people like, don't test this on like, is this my spouse or not? But test it on, should I buy this gift for my friend or not? Like test it on the small things so that you know that you know his voice. That's how I learned was really, it was when I... <laughs> <laughs> I had my firstborn and that's really and truly when I learned to pray and everybody laughs and thinks, I mean, like, like what it's true. I just, I didn't know what I was doing. And so it was a matter of like my daughter is screaming, crying right now. I have no idea what to do. And so I would just pray and ask God, like, what do I do? And a thought would come in my mind and I, would, I quit reading baby books. Cause they all say, if you love your child, you'll do like 10 different things. And they're all like exact opposite. That's so true. It's, it's just it's it's awful yeah uh, and it's like that that's another place where we really want a formula we want our we love our kids we want them to turn out great and so we need these formulas on how to raise them right um well that's cry it out or never let them cry I mean, you cannot actually implement all of them so i just quit reading it and tried to listen to the lord i have a story if, do we have time for a story of this, course. This is truly yeah. when I like learned how to pray. I put my daughter down for a nap once she was, I don't know, three or four months old. And I mean, I was losing it. It was like mm, that three or four o'clock witching hour. I was losing my mind. Mm -hmm. And she, I changed her diaper. I fed her. I like laid her down. She was still crying. And so I just left and I went outside the door of the nursery and I just knelt on the floor right there. And I just prayed and I was like, Lord, I have no idea. I'm about to lose my mind. Like, what is wrong? What do I do? And I just heard this voice in my head say, like, go change your diaper. And I was like, mm, no, I just changed her diaper. I'm so sorry. Like, I, like it was, I just changed her diaper. She's good. And I kept praying. I kept praying and I kept hearing change your diaper. I was like, fine. So I went in there and I was kind of grouchy about it. And I like looked and sure enough, that girl had a poopy diaper. And I was like, oh, 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 that, that's the voice I should pay attention to. Right. Um, yeah. So it's like, I really think you just test and learn. Mm. There was another time that I was buying a gift. I'm terrible at gift buying. It stresses me out. <laughs> <laughs> Something about it totally stresses me out. Oh, and man. so I was buying a gift for a shower and we were in, I was in school. We were on one income and it wasn't a great one. So there wasn't a whole lot to go buying gifts, but I wanted to bless my friend for a shower. And I've since the Lord saying like a $50, I like, I kneeled in the middle of Bed Bath & Beyond. I didn't kneel, but I did get in a corner and like <laughs> just kind of hide in a corner in a quiet place. Like, Lord, what should I do? I'm lost. Looking at like the registry list and all that. And I just sent like $50 gift card. And I was like, oh, we, we don't have $50. <laughs> and so like I negotiated down to $40 and I bought a $40 gift card. And I went home and I had a $50 check in the mail that day from some mm -hmm. kind of refund, something or another that, I didn't know what's coming. And it was like, oh, 
oh, that was your voice. And so I just, I coach people on testing it out mm-hmm. um, with those little things. And there have been times um, where I've missed it, but you know it, like it just doesn't mm-hmm. turn out as great. So I don't tell people to test it out on, you know, who should I marry? That shouldn't be your first test, but test it out on some other things. Yeah, I would, I would say a couple of things. One, um, think about who gets the glory out of what you're doing mm-hmm. or what you're being led to do. The Holy Spirit is here. The parakletos points back to Jesus. That's good. That That is his purpose. And if I'm doing this because I'm thinking about what they're going to say about me or what's going to happen to me or someone else, um, then maybe it may not be spirit led. But if Jesus receives the glory, um, then naturally it's going to be spirit led. And the only other thing I would say is think about if it's something that's out of character, why would you say this to yourself? So I'm, I'm thinking about a really quick story. Um, I remember driving from in North Carolina from where I was living um, in Charlotte to Greensboro, and it's about um, an hour and a half drive. And about halfway, all of a sudden, I feel this deep, deep urge to start praying for the vehicle. I'm like, this why am I feeling like I need to pray for the car? I was like, that's ridiculous. And so I changed the station on the radio and I'm, I'm feeling like I'm supposed to cut the radio off. Um, like it's pulling to pray. So I just start praying for the vehicle and just as things pop in my head while I'm driving, I'm praying mm-hmm. and I felt this urge to pray for the entire 45 minutes, praying for the vehicle, praying for the safety, praying that the vehicle stays on the on the expressway. And when I arrive in the city to visit my parents, the first um, shop that I get to, I feel like I'm supposed to stop. I don't even go to my parents' house first. And when I stop there, I say to the gentleman, I think, will you just check my tires? And he puts the car up and he comes back and he has this really um, scary look on his face like he's seen a ghost. And I'm saying, what's wrong? He said, literally, when I took the tire off of the car, I touched where the lug nut was, where that um, screw was, and the entire thing disintegrated. And he said, he said, I have no idea. Where did you come from? And when I told him that I drove for 80 miles in that vehicle, he said that there's no way you drove for 80 miles. That's so and so cool. following this, I know that was the spirit of the Lord that was impressing upon me to pray all the way to cover myself. And I didn't even know that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, de- definitely test it. And if it's something that's completely out of the ordinary that gives God glory, then go with it. Mm-hmm. And I think, that so John, cool. that you can, it is, we're talking about adaptability. It's, it's trusting that same Holy Spirit can speak in situations. Cause you talked about the cultural question of the, the little C church and how do you know? And what we teach people going to other cultures is because of cultural differences, you're going to feel uncomfortable. Some things will not feel right to you, but that's where you, you look to the Holy Spirit to help you. Um, is this not feeling right? Because it, offends my American culture. For example, in Kazakhstan, they eat horse. I'm from Kentucky. Um, You don't eat horses in Kentucky. In fact, if I tell my Kentucky friends I eat horse, then I'll probably get excommunicated from the state. Um, But you have to question myself, okay, is, is my desire not to eat this meat because 
there's something immoral with it? Or is it because from Kentucky mm. where we almost worship horses, which probably isn't the Christian thing to do. Mm. And of course, I'm using it as a simple example where obviously there's nothing morally wrong with eating horse. By the way, it does taste very good. Um, but don't tell my Kentucky friends. <laughs> you that made I said so that. many people weep with that statement. That's right. Um, <laughs> but the point being that there could be things um, that are a lot more subtle that don't feel right or seem not right. And I think especially as we're looking at in cultural issues, we have to let the, rely on the Holy Spirit to help us see that distinction. Um, because uh, I think a lot of things we, Sonia mentioned earlier, some of the, the racial discussions we've been having. And I think a lot of that, things are gonna get us in the gut, things aren't gonna feel right, or we're gonna assume this is the right thing, but we need to stop and say, Holy Spirit, examine that. Mm-hmm. And the way the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit examines maybe a direct voice. It may be a conversation with somebody who thinks differently than you. It may be um, reading your scripture. But test that assumption or that discomfort and say, mm-hmm. what's caused that? Is it a Holy Spirit discomfort or is the Holy Spirit saying, um, dude, you need to adjust. Mm-hmm. You need mm-hmm. to adapt. <laughs> I think and the the only advice I think I can offer on on whether or not you're actually hearing from the spirit or not. Um, I think it has to do mostly with, are you in a posture to allow the Holy spirit to speak? I really liked your story. Sonia, not just cause it's an amazing miraculous story, but you allowed yourself um, to be interrupted. You were interruptible. Mm-hmm. That's something that when I was in college, the person who was discipling me or a couple of the people who were discipling me kind of taught me, to allow yourself to be interruptible. And I think that's that's kind of the link between being adaptable and the Holy Spirit is, you know, everyone, especially when you think about your routine when you're driving long distances, everyone's got one. It's like, I'm going to listen to these mm. three albums from 1995, or I'm going to listen to this audiobook and knock it out. I'm going to listen to yeah. these podcasts. And, you know, to have a sense of like, maybe I shouldn't, and maybe I should pray. And are you in a, in a place where you can allow yourself to be interrupted? Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're not, it's going to be really hard to consider anything that the spirit might be leading you to do. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have anything else you'd like to share with our folks about how to be adaptable, how to be spirit led as we're learning how to be adaptable? Well, I just want to say one of our producers has just said that here at horse meat is greasy. And I want to say that is not the case. It isn't greasy. It tastes really good. (laughs) It's kind of, (laughs) it depends on where you get it from. (laughs) I guess much like, much like ostrich or zebra, huh? It's actually quite good. So we can have a whole episode on horse meat if y'all want to. It's, it's very tasty. It's much, it's lean and Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, I think I'll take your word for it, Jim. <laughs> oh, man. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for, for the discussion and conversation. Thank you again for listening to Thy Kingdom Pod. If you liked this show, please rate and review on whatever platform you're listening and tell a friend. To find out more about TMS Global, our ministries, and the ways that you can support them, you can go to our website at tmsglobal.org. That's tms-global.org. Also, you can go follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at tmsglobal, but spelled without the A. That's T-M-S 
G-L-O-B-L. Thanks, and we'll see you next episode.